good afternoon and welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. Do you want to help make the world a better place but don't know where to start? Join us as we explore the possibilities on today's show with inspiring guests, uplifting music, and new ideas. So let's get started. Here are your hosts, Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead. Welcome to Rise and Shine, not just for mornings anymore. I'm your host, Mark Olmstead. And I'm Lorianne Rising. Are you a parent who's been thrown into homeschooling this past year and feel a bit in over your head, especially when it comes to science? I know the sciences were my weakest subject in school, so if that's you, I can totally relate. Today's guest has some really creative, fun, and powerful solutions for teaching kids science of all kinds around the house. Is that kids of all kinds or science of all kinds? Yes. Okay, gotcha. All right. Stephanie Ryan has a master's in chemistry, a PhD in learning sciences, and enjoys developing educational products for all ages. She's taught science to students in kindergarten all the way through college level and developed curricula for After School Matters program in Chicago, Illinois. She's also the author of a new book, Let's Learn About Chemistry for Kids Zero and Up. Welcome, Welcome Stephanie. Stephanie. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, we are super excited, and I'm always curious, what, what do you love most about science? What got you into that particular field? What got me into it is that my dad was an engineer and he kind of made me get into it. <laughs> what kept me in it Parental was influence. that I just, yeah. yes, very much so. Um, I was very fortunate that he signed me up for day camps and summer camps that had science themes. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was like, wait, why? But then once I got there, it was really exciting and I got to learn new things. And science kept me around because it was challenging for me. And to help me explain the world around me. Um, and I just, I like knowing how things work. And so I found it to help me in that goal. <laughs> me too. I Very love cool. that. And, you know, and, and it's just amazing what I'm seeing in so many ways. We're learning so much more these days uh, than even as kids growing up that we were getting in school. So in what ways would you say science affects our lives that, perhaps most parents might not be even aware of, let alone kids and ways of approaching teaching? Um, Well, in the pandemic, I've been telling parents, just use what's around you because it doesn't have to be something fancy. So I know when people think of chemistry, they think fancy chemicals in the lab and it's something they can't do on their own, but everything we do has something science in it. Everything Mm -hmm. we do has something math in it. So from making a yogurt parfait with your kid and going over different patterns of whether you go granola, yogurt, fruit like that, and they can do that. And that's a STEM project. Or you could do baking soda and vinegar. You can do Alka-Seltzer tablets and water and all sorts of things that are just around the house. Um, But if you want to take it up a step, you can look at uh, different pieces of content like I'm getting stains out of our clothes today. How does that work? And like getting into your daily things of why we use um, dishwashing liquid to get off sticky substances, why water won't get that and just things like that. Wow. I love that you brought up cooking 
because one of yeah. one of my <laughs> friends chemistry <laughs> exactly i mean one of my friends has a i think i can't remember if it's a bachelor's or master's in chemistry but she is the best chef it's it's really fascinating and it, it and i asked her once i'm like how does that relate because in my mind it really didn't but she's like well what else is chemistry other than putting ingredients together and seeing what happens and adding different elements exactly. like heat like, or oh, refrigeration that makes or, sense yeah oh yeah totally definitely and baking baking is pretty close to as analytical as you can get because just the re- too much of one can really throw it off where in cooking you can add a dash here and a dash there and it's still okay but you can't really do that in baking <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a little different. Measuring things, I know I taught my kids a bit about math just in the measuring process because it's like, what's a fraction of something and how do you add them together if you want to double the recipe or, you know, those kinds of things came into play just hanging out in the kitchen. You can do stoichiometry that way too in chemistry of how many of something needs to go with this many of something else. So the ratio of it. So we made cookies where I increased the amount of eggs and butter you needed so that it would be even numbers for my son. But so it ended up a little kiki instead of cookies, but it was every scoop of this, you have to add one of this, two of that, one of that. And he did it over and over and over. And he was like, huh, this is kind of a pattern. And I'm like, it is. And so when you see six of this and three of that, it's a ratio, which is kind of like a pattern. Um, and so you can you can tweak everything you're doing during a pandemic to be something related to art, math, or science. <laughs> oh my oh, god! So cool. okay, and say that word again: stoichiometry, or what, what was that? <laughs> stoichiometry. Stoichiometry. I've never heard that term. I never in my life <laughs> heard that word before. Um, in school, when you balance equations, balancing chemical formulas, that's all that is. Is It's making sure that when you double one side, the other side is also doubled and that you have the right amount of each thing for it to work. Ah, so both sides of the equal sign stay equal. in proportion. Yes. To, to, so the equal <laughs> sign still works. Okay, got it. Okay. I just um, didn't know there was a word I for that. I didn't know, me either. <laughs> That's cool. There's a word for everything. Apparently. <laughs> That's wow. a whole different project, that, though, to look that, those up. I'm sure that word's been invented since I was in high school, though. So oh, right. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't uh, know about that. All <laughs> oh, those buggers didn't teach me stuff. What the heck? Oh, man. All right. Well, it's cool that we're catching up anyway. That's awesome. So, okay. So then uh, you're, you're getting good and creative at finding the, the ways of incorporating science and chemistry in, okay, there's the kitchen, there's the, obviously the bathroom and the cleaning side of things. The, the soap though, I didn't even think about soap and, and getting why, why detergent works and those kinds of things. How, how, how do you explain that to a kid or do you or is there is that so what I like to do is sit back and think what is the simplest way to explain this because they don't need to know what the molecules look like they don't need to know that the exact process behind it so there's something in chemistry that teachers say like dissolves like And it's things that are polar dissolve polar substances and things that are nonpolar dissolve nonpolar substances. And so all you really need to say is like, this thing is more like that one. And that's why it came apart. 
Um, and then you can show or say it mixes and it doesn't mix. That's what I do with my four-year-old. So if you add sand and water together, those don't mix, but food coloring and water do mix. Um, you wouldn't be able to get the other one out of it. Um, mm -hmm. So I just, I think of it as simple as possible. And no, he's not going to become a chemist from that. And he's not going to mm -hmm. be able to explain a lot of things, but he's at least going to know what to look for of what, whether something mixes or it doesn't. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right. So that's that's a really cool way to explain things and i'm just thinking through like okay as a parent honestly i'd feel a little bit insecure because i know my my kids would ask why and i'm like i don't know so how how might a parent sort of deal with that when it's like okay i don't have the degree in science i have no idea how to approach this or explain it if my kid is asking what what would i do you would say, I'm not sure, let's find out. You hop on the internet, look up videos to help explain it. Uh, YouTube is a great resource, Instagram, a lot of places have videos that are fully explaining the things that we don't know about. And it's really powerful for your kid to see that you don't know an answer and that you look things up. Um, and I think that's the difference between when I was in school and when my son's going to be in school is that not knowing an answer is much more okay now than it used to be because we memorized things as facts. And now I could look at my phone and be like really quick and ask Siri what the answer was. And so it's asking for help seems to be more of a skill that people are doing. So I think that's good to know that science it's okay not to know. <laughs> Let's look it up together and learn for our whole lives and not just when we're little kids. That's neat. Because I know the yeah. other piece I know is changing so much for the education system is the recognition that, you know, when I was a kid, my parents were kids and grandparents. It's like, okay, what you're learning in elementary school is pretty steady and that's going to help move you toward whatever career. Well, now kids in elementary school are probably going to be moving into career fields that don't even yet exist. So how do you prepare mm -hmm. for them? So this idea of not knowing and managing that and learning on the fly is becoming more important than just the memorization. And I think that's showing in um, our standards evolving over time as well, because I remember when I took standardized tests, it was more about, did I know that fact? Is mm -hmm. that content, do I know the fact? And now it's more about, can you recognize the pattern? Can you, do you have these science and engineering practices skills? Like, are you able to justify a claim with evidence? Are you able to see whether something is correlated or not and things like that? So I think that that might be why it's different. I hadn't thought of that. I thought, I think it's more of the how and why things happen we're asking them to do instead of the what. But I think that's a great point is that we're preparing them for something that we don't even know what it is yet. So let's teach them how to learn things in a better way. <laughs> well, and, and the, I think you brought up the, the real difference, though, is that we were expected to know facts. And these days, what is a fact, you know, seems to be one of our main questions, you know, and the, the, all this fake news and, and verification of, of what's. What is, what has, okay, so how about that? I mean, how do you address the, the question of what is a fact with a child? I mean, because there are some ah. things that, that are just, that are just facts, you know, ice is cold and, 
But, you know, that's supposedly up for debate now. I mean, given the, the new definitions of, you know, what we're, so what, how, thank you. I think in terms of letting them look at it in terms of observations. So what do you observe? Not what do you think is the fact? Um, so touch this ice. Is it hot or cold? And so you know that it is hot or cold because you had personal evidence that it happened. Um, I also think teaching kids to identify what a good source is versus not a good source, um, looking for bias in a study. Uh, that's something we're really pointing out in high schools now of like, is it better to find a study that really shows what you want it to say, or is it better to find something from .edu or .gov or things like that? Um, so I think yeah, I think when you add your own observations and then highlighting the difference between individual and population, I think that's something that um, they're starting to address more in high school as well in math and in science is that anecdotes are not necessarily the same as a statistical piece of data that you see. Um, so those I think are important. So again, it's the skills, it's the science and engineering practice skills or finding patterns and things like that, that are more important than necessarily knowing a specific piece of content. I love to mm -hmm. hear that that's moving more into high school because I know for me anyway, I didn't get that, that kind of information, like how to evaluate a source. Mm -hmm. We kind of touched on it. I mean, I had really great teachers, but that really wasn't something we dove into until college. And most people don't go to college and it's not even a right fit for everybody. We need people across the board everywhere in our culture for different reasons and different tasks. And, you know, everybody's designed differently, but that is such a key fundamental piece of just being able to evaluate the world we're in and come to our own conclusions in a way that's effective well, and healthy. But who do you trust, though? And it, it still comes down to, and, and I, I maybe have a, a bit of a bias around when you're talking about, does it come from .gov or .edu, for instance, you, you named. Or Wikipedia. Are we or... really able to trust everything that comes from a .gov these days? would you say? I think that having students go through a checklist of how to evaluate a source and to identify potential biases that different sources might have. So like, um, let's say a pharmaceutical company writes a study about how great their product is. Um, they need to know that there's a bias there. Like, it's okay to cite it and it's okay to talk about it, but you need to know that well, there could be something there that's, they may have left out some of the bad stuff, you know, like it doesn't mean they did, but you need to think that in the back of your mind. So I don't think there's anything wrong with questioning um, whether a source is more legitimate than another. And just being able to say that that's a possibility is really important. Absolutely. Okay. I, 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 and I love the idea of being taught to look for what might be missing. Uh, right. which to me mm -hmm. is part of the bias. It's like, you know, well, what else might be missing? And to deliberately seek out sources that may contain information that's exactly opposite of what we think. 
to mm-hmm. challenge our mm-hmm. own beliefs, mm-hmm. I think is a huge piece too. To know what the other side is actually asking or right. saying or where they're coming from and right. to fully understand, okay, have they researched their perspective and how and mm-hmm. where and why are they saying this? I, absolutely. I think that's just such a, a critical critical uh, step that we are so often too lazy to take, I would say. Mm-hmm. It can be hard to have our own beliefs challenged. Is that something, I mean, when we're working with young kids, some of them, they, I mean, they, at certain ages, they don't really yet have beliefs formed. And that's part of what we're doing as parents is helping them form certain beliefs and things. So is, is some of what you're doing, the, the, you know, the science projects and things at home around the house, is it possible to sort of weave in this idea of, okay, well, that's the conclusion you came to. Now, how do we sort of either affirm that or question it or take it the next step and, and see if it's, it's true or not? Yeah, definitely. So in terms of the taking it to the next step, I usually start a project with the most basic. So I'll use baking soda and vinegar, for example. I'll have my son, I'll pour, I'll have him pour them together, scoop the baking soda, then pour the vinegar and just small doses. Yeah. (laughs) In case you haven't Um, done that one before. (laughs) (laughs) So they'll do, he'll do that. And then for him, he doesn't understand what a system is yet and that you need to close the system to capture the gas. But an older kid, you could ask that like, okay, so the gas, it bubbled. Where did it go? Could I catch that? And kids, you could get them to design it to have a balloon on top of a bottle and capture it. And so you can have them extend that experiment on their own and then say, hey, do you think all liquids do that or is it just certain kinds? And so you could do one with water and it will not inflate. And so it's like, let's see and make our comparisons. And I think that that's one of the things we make the mistake with demonstrations in science. They're always really flashy and exciting we don't ever really say what they're doing or compare them to something else. Um, And I think the comparison is important, even if the comparison is nothing happens. Um, And to answer your other question, it was about um, letting them kind of be wrong, I think is really important. So this summer we were making popsicles and I asked my son, how do you think we make popsicles? And I, he said, I think we would put them outside And I said, in the back of my mind, it killed me because I'm a scientist and I'm like, oh, freezer, where do I pull popsicles from? Come on, man. But I didn't say that. Um, And I said, why don't we try it? So we got an ice cube tray and put it outside and it was really hot. And the next day it was gone. The water evaporated. And I said, okay, what do we do next? And so then he wanted to try the oven. Did not work. Uh, We tried on the counter, did not work. And finally the refrigerator and then the freezer. And you know what? It was much more concrete for him because then one day it was snowing and he said, oh, it got cold enough that the water turned into ice. And I was like, yes. (laughs) I didn't even have to teach it separately because he built this knowledge on his own. Um, And the way I like to think about it is like when he was learning to walk, if he stumbled and fell, we still clapped for him and we let him find his own way. Uh, we didn't go, no, that's wrong, and just give him a fact. Like, it's, 
that's one of the things we do with science a lot is that we'll tell people, no, that's wrong. And then explain it instead of letting them figure it out on their own. And I think it's, it's really hard to let them be wrong, but it's so much better if we let them be wrong for a little bit and it fixes itself in the end. And our job as parents is to give them some sort of contrasting case. So something where it doesn't work to get them to kind of keep steering in a direction. So sand and water don't mix together, but salt and water do. So it's not all solids, like, and things like that of helping them move forward. That's so cool. Mm. I know I, I used to do some of that with my son. He was always very curious. And when he did something that got him into trouble, his response 90% of the time was like, well, I just wanted to see what would happen. I'm like, okay, how do I guide this a little bit more effectively was kind of where it started. And so I encouraged him to let me know what he was curious about and then would figure out like, okay, is there a safe way we can do this around the house or is it something we should look up on YouTube rather than blowing something up here? And so <laughs> that was sort of a process, but we got a handle on that natural curiosity and guided it so that he could have fun learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in the pandemic, uh, I've been teaching my son pre-K at home until our grandparents all got vaccinated. And at first I went through the curricular approach of like, it needs to be in this order. We're going to do letter of the week. We're going to, you know, and I started it that way. And it was like, why am I doing this this way? This doesn't even go along with how I want him to learn. And so I started asking, like, what do you want to learn about? And he's like, I like bugs. Can we do something with bugs? And so, like, you dig a hole in the ground and look at critters and let them play in the mud. And you can find literally uh, on Teachers Pay Teachers, there are so many free worksheets on there that you could teach the alphabet in the context of bugs. And so... That's something that this year I've kind of made a focus of is let's learn about a subject area. And then I find resources or paid things at like, like short learning or things like that. And I pull it together for parents so they can see what's out there and that it is possible. They're going to end up at the same point, just they got there a different way. And it's probably more exciting to them because they watched it happen. Wow. Mm -hmm. well, now you mentioned a couple of resources there. Shore learning, you said? Is that, uh, Lake Shore Learning. Lake Shore Learning. Is that a, 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 a website? A website or something? That's uh, They have a website as well. They have some brick and mortar stores. Um, what was cool about them, and they're starting to do it again, is it, before the pandemic, they had all of the products out so you could try some of the science experiments and see if it was up your alley. Um, and my son loved it so much that he calls it the toy store when it is not a toy store. It's an education shop <laughs> for teachers. <laughs> Cool. Um, but they have so many great things and I'm not an affiliate for them or anything, but it's just one of my favorite places to get things. And then Teachers Pay Teachers is the other one. That's a website and teachers upload content on there that they can either sell it for a small amount of money or a lot of them put it up for free because the pandemic, they just want people to have resources. So um, on my Instagram account, I try to pull together all the free ones from Teachers Pay Teachers to so parents who don't have time or the, or they feel like they lack expertise in education. It kind of guides them in a way that I think might be helpful. 
Awesome. Very Thank cool. you, Stephanie. And you have your own book that we are going to get into right after this, but we've got to take a quick break. Uh, and I just really am <laughs> loving this. This is so perfect. Um, but And during this break, though, that's coming up, okay, speaking to our listener now, our awesome listeners, it is a great opportunity for you to make your own difference and to a real difference in the lives of others right here. Doesn't cost anything. And it can help someone else decide between what's worth listening to and maybe what might not be. And it's simple. Just give us a quick rating on your listening platform. Make your voice heard and let us know if you're enjoying what we're doing so we can keep doing more of it. And right after the break, you're going to hear a heartfelt song that asks a very simple yet profound question. What would love do now? Stay tuned for one of Mark's originals right after this. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. In our changing world, how can you protect the self-esteem, confidence, and dreams of the children you love in just five minutes a day, even from a distance? To learn more about Uncle Mark's Best Indie Book Award-winning kids' book, his music, and resources to support families, visit TrueSunbeam.com. And if you're an author or musician with a similar mission, learn how to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. Visit Uncle Mark at TrueSunbeam.com. Are you a woman who's tired of staying silent and people-pleasing at the expense of your own health, wealth, and happiness? Discover the roadmap to self-confidence and freedom in Laurieann Rising's international award-winning book, You, Rising, Reclaim Your Life. Live your purpose. And if you're an author whose nonfiction or memoir makes a powerful difference, you're invited to be a guest on the Rise and Shine radio show. For books, resources, and show details, visit laurieannrising.com. skies grow more cloudy than blue When I see my worst fear coming true When the dream I believed in just seems to be fading from view When the lines of the battle are drawn When I don't know how I can go one question my closest connection is found to the whole world turning around what would love do now what would love do now here in stillness that calls from within us awaits such a gift to be what love will do now In the times when the roads got rough I felt chained in my pain long enough With freedom here waiting on my celebrating love So from where I've been hiding so long 
Finding strength to move on And to realize how all the keys to my chains have been found And my whole world is turning around Asking what would love do now What would love do now Here in the stillness that calls from such a gift to be found I ask him what love will do now To follow directions of heartfelt connections To the joy that is meant to be mine I'm now discovering the love only I can bring How to be changing my mind You're listening to Rise and Shine, and that was one of Mark's originals called What Would Love Do Now? from his One Piece at a Time CD. I just love his music, don't you? If so, visit his website at truesunbeam.com where you can download the song or the entire album and listen in your car, on your phone, or around your home with your family anytime. We're here with Stephanie Ryan, a STEM educator who's helping parents teach science at home and have fun doing it. And we're just talking about resources for parents, and we understand you have a new book out. So tell us about that. Yeah, I have a new book called Let's Learn About Chemistry. Those of you who are listening can't see it, but I'm holding it up right now. It's very um, cute. It is adorable. <laughs> Thank you. I love it. The illustrator used the likeness of my son and his four, his three best friends, and they all their likes and dislikes. <laughs> so in it, my son loves macaroni and broccoli, and that is a meal that I am serving him in one of them. And one of them really likes superheroes. So there's a page with all the kids dressed as superheroes. Um, so it's exciting. Oh, my gosh. 
Appreciate it, it. It sounds so adorable. This is awesome. I'm I so love stoked. that you're using real life images and kids and likes and dislikes. Their actual favorite meal right there in the book. That's <laughs> That's going to be an awesome thing. Yeah, to do. and I hear from a lot of parents that babies really like to play with the book and sit and just turn the pages uh, because the things in it are things that they like to do. Um, and the project started out as a Kickstarter project, and a lot of the backers actually got to choose some of the graphics. Um, so the kids play a game of which of these is not like the other. And in the process, it kind of highlights different science concepts. So there's like a doll and a baseball, a carton of milk and some blocks. And you ask which of these is similar, which of these doesn't, isn't like the others. And they can answer in any way they want. And this is the part of that I think makes my book really unique is that any answer is fine as long as they can back it up. It doesn't have to be a science answer. In fact, some of the illustrations actually have similar colors to be able to build things like that into it. So that maybe a two-year-old says these are all red and a five-year-old says, well, these all are hot, things like that. So you are able to scaffold. And you had mentioned earlier um, that as a parent, it's sometimes a little off-putting for science. Like you don't feel comfortable talking about it. And that is something that we worked on really hard because my husband is not a scientist. And he looked at my first draft and was like, this is a good idea, but I wouldn't know the right answer. And you don't have it in here. You assume we know the right answer. And that's, um, he goes, I think I know, but since I don't know, no, I'm going to feel a little uncomfortable reading this to my kid and feeling like maybe I'd look dumb in front of my child. Um, and so I hired a developmental editor who helped kind of point out ways to help parents through a book like this. And so that's where we came up with the scaffolding with the right answers off on the side. And if the kid isn't into the right answer today, that's fine. You just move on. You skip that page. Or let's say today you're doing an experiment with baking soda and vinegar. Only do the two pages that talk about mixtures, whether a chemical reaction happens or not. Um, and we have them labeled that way so that you can easily flip through and see what the theme is. Okay, so they can kind of stay on an idea and have more than one place to play with it. Mm -hmm. That's so much Very fun. Very cool. Well, so, it sounds like educational for the whole family. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and the book actually evolved in a really funny way. So my son's preschool was a big backer of the project, um, and they let me read my book to all the classes there and take notes on some of the stuff they said so that I could edit it based on some of the feedback. And to introduce the book, I had a conversation with these little kids about shoes and are you wearing shoes? I'm wearing shoes. And then we're like, that's the same. And I'm like, wait, my shoes are brown. What color are yours? And then we got into same and different. And that conversation went so well that it made it into the book to where the four kids are playing in a playroom and they're looking at each other's shoes. <laughs> oh um, and so it just introduces it in such a fun way that it's, it's having kids justify things with evidence and looking for patterns. And I think that that's at age zero to six, that's such a great skill to really help develop. 
Well, it's that's actual brain development in 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 like the way we are actually looking at something and how how it can affect how how we can use what we're looking at to make better choices. Sounds like. That's neat. That's, now I know you were mentioning too that even though you know it cool. it is a hard page book, like a board book, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> so for for little kids but parents are learning and you mentioned too that even some of the college professors and, and college students, you know, are using it. How, in, in what ways? I've heard that for basic concepts for submicroscopic, symbolic and macroscopic, which is what you can see with your eye. Um, they've used this as a reference as a really breaking it down into a simple way because those words, they're just so overwhelming to hear submicroscopic, you know, and mm -hmm. if you look at it, it's really just the particles and we could really just call it the particle level, but I don't know why we don't. <laughs> mm -hmm. But of even just looking for patterns and reminding students that if even if you've been through school this whole time and we've been looking for facts, like this is more looking for patterns. Let's look at the pattern of this. And so I, I think of like the periodic table and I know the periodic table because we memorized it and I know which way things behave based on where they're at in it. And recently I was working on a project where we broke it down into Coulomb's law about plus and minus charges and how they interact of why the periodic table does what it does. And my mind was blown. It was like, oh yeah, of course that's what it is. Why didn't I learn it this way? I would, it would have made so much more sense to me than just memorizing it if I had thought of it this way. And so mm. I, I just am a real proponent of having things broken down all the way down to then build them up so that the students understand it better. <laughs> so that makes so much sense to me in terms of the concept of breaking things down and knowing how they relate in order to remember them and understand them deeply. I have to admit, though, I'm someone I couldn't tell you one thing about the periodic day. I know it exists. And that's about it. So I'm at the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> but <laughs> being able to kind of see your book and hear you talking about it, I'd still feel comfortable with the book and the fact that it's so real world based, it's friendly, it's inviting, it would be so much fun to use. Well, and if it's being referred to from college professors down to, you know, the, I mean, that's down to the, preschool, the, there might be a place that this, this could apply to even you. Yes. Right. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, my thought that just came up though, and uh, describing how to remember things. Um, and you, and you found the pattern for that, that you would have preferred to learn the periodic table. I just, this is, reminded me of how I learned the preamble, the alphabet, the, you know, and everything else that probably was associated with hooked on phonics, you know, and, and that was of course music and how that ties in. Have you seen any kind of correlation to the, 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 the use of music in in learning, just maybe on a, I don't know if it's if it would fit into a scientific conversation, but but my my gig is always about you know I I always love to ask our guests about about their relationship to music and how it might impact or affect or if it does at all. I don't know. 
Cool. <laughs> I, um, that's fair. I hey, that's okay. To, that... That's okay to say. You know, we've, we've learned that. I feel like we memorized some things with music. Kind of like I'm thinking, what is that? Sh- that cartoon that had conjunction junction. Yeah, and just yeah. Hill and Capitol Hill. That's like, the uh, one. Memorizing that, things. That was part of what but, I, I how I learned about the process of how the Capitol worked. Do you remember seeing that too? Wasn't I that do, stuff yeah. great? I'm just a bill. <laughs> Yeah, I'm only a bill, and I got as far as Capitol Hill. Well, it's a long, long journey to the capital city where they vote on me while I'm waiting in committee. And if they sign me, then I'll be a law. Oh, I hope and pray that they will. But today I am still just a bill. You're a you're a jukebox. Where did that uh, come from? <laughs> where did, exactly? Where does that come from? It's like, it's oh because my. it was put to music. And it's still, I mean, that's the way, you know, we the people in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare. I mean, it's all there. You know, I could go through the whole preamble because <laughs> it was put to a song in those cartoons. Okay, I've got a challenge for you. Uh-oh. Put the periodic table to music. Uh, that's what I was just coming. <laughs> I was wondering if anybody I had. I think some people have. Um, I, I think it. there are a few out there that have done that, but then you're just memorizing it and you're not really getting at why it does it. So right. in my head, it never once occurred to me that this was similar to magnets. Hmm. And okay. it is. Explain they that more. Okay. Or repel. Yes. I don't get that. And how much you're attracting and repelling is whether you want to give up your electrons or not. And like, just even thinking of it in that way, it's like, whoa, these are so similar. <laughs> wow. Okay. Having but come- if I only learn it through the song, then I just know where they are and I can answer things, but I don't really know why. Um, uh-huh. And so I think you could use both. You uh-huh. can do the why, and then here's the table and like, ask them how these two go together. I think that's really good. Yeah. Oh, that would be cool. Okay. Okay, So having come from a generation that was focused on memorizing, I don't have a clue what you're referring to with the magnetic aspect. Is there a way that somebody could look that up online or dig into it? Because stuff like that to me, I think even as adults, it's like, oh, that just made science way more interesting than any teacher I had growing up because they were taught to teach differently back then, basically. And it's not a, I'm not bad mouthing the teachers. It's just what they had to do back then, basically. Maybe this is your, so next, your next book. Stephanie. How how can <laughs> any of us dig into having more fun with science? Um, that's a good question. I think that there are definitely some YouTube channels of people who like to break it down that way. And they try to help explain why. I think in your searches, I think asking why this works is the best way to approach it. And then even put why this works elementary. (laughs) And then you could get like the lowest level of um, explanation that somebody's got for that. Um, I I can't guarantee it's out there, but that's how I would start to look it up. (laughs) Oh, cool. That's something we could do with our kids. There's a market for that, for that book though. On, uh, on, yeah, there's, there's gotta be. um, As a scientist, I do feel like I have to clarify for magnets. I'm only talking about the attract and repel part. <laughs> Not that right. they're like Fair magnets. <laughs> I just heard like in my head, my advisor, like going like this. <laughs> yeah. That, that level of academic 
clarity and specificity really, it, it's helpful, it's wonderful, and it catches us every once in a while. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Well, I love it. Well, and on that note, thinking in terms of like models and what they afford us and what they're limiting, like what's missing from them. I think that that goes back to what you were talking about earlier about the skills of like just being able to highlight that kind of thing. Like if this comment had bias, well, this model has a limitation and this is something that we cannot use it for because it does not address that. And I think even just pointing that out to our kids. So uh, my son, we're doing the solar system right now. We're doing let's learn about astronauts week um, on Instagram and a lot of his puzzles show the planets in just like this, it's in order, but they're too close together. And like, there's moments where I have to be like, okay, that's not the point, Stephanie. The point is he's looking at the planets, he's interested, he's doing a puzzle. But then when he gets a little older, I am going to be like, if this were properly spaced, Saturn would be like way out there. <laughs> it's not mm. going to be right next to the planet, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and my understanding is there's still debate over how many quote unquote planets there actually are being, you know, considered as planets in our solar system too. Like that keeps flipping back and forth. We want but Pluto. We yeah, want Pluto. <laughs> Pluto yeah. is up for debate. And you know, that kind of <laughs> so even just incorporating that science is constantly evolving what we think we know. I mean, there was a time in history when, you know, everything revolved around the earth. And if you thought differently, you were considered a heretic and probably burned, you know, or, or at least excommunicated. Imprisoned. Right. And so what we think we know today, I'm actually kind of curious in another couple hundred years, they're going to look back and go, oh, my gosh, what were they thinking? <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that the idea that I, it's evolving. I think that's an important distinction that has really come out in the last year. The science is evolving and it's something the scientists know because we do the experiments and it's, oh, this didn't work. Let me try this. Or, oh, well, that didn't prove what I I had hoped. Like, let's look at this direction. Um, But it's been so much in the news with showing how we're finding a vaccine and understanding a new disease that it looks like, oh, they were wrong. They changed it. But that's not. That's just how science goes. And it's like, I found this new piece of information. I'm going to change my protocol and we'll try this next. And so it's just showing the ever evolving process of science. And I think that's, I think that's really thrown some people, but as a scientist, I think it's really cool to see (laughs) that it's out there in the world and less just in the lab. Well, it's, and it's gotten to the point of, uh, of a life-saving importance, like, you know, obviously with this, this pandemic, stuff and learning more about who we are. Uh, I'm, I'm curious to know from your perspective, how much of the, the little parts and stuff you get into teaching about, um, you know, what we're made of and the, and the vibrational, you know, components of matter and, and the, the, the kinds of ways of healing that, that I'm learning about, about, you know, frequency healing and those kinds of things and using vibrations and the, and the, the patterns of the, the harmonics of our cells to, to deal with illness and those kinds of things. Is, is this something that you have found an interest in or have uh, gotten into teaching at all or, or might? I have not, but I can definitely 
see that as like a context of where a student could do some research on it of like some like this is something that is out there explain how this could be true using science yeah um but no i have it oh there's uh, a, a numerous oh and i is it edgar casey or I, I shouldn't even be trying to, to yeah, remember that's, that's names, a, but there there are several several um, several scientists that have said that the future of medicine is frequency and vibration, and and I would just challenge. I'm looking forward to the kids' book that talks about that stuff, and <laughs> and so maybe we can collaborate or something or work on something. But I, oh, I would I would uh, I would love to see something. You know, I definitely have a lot of ideas of science that you can classify. And that's all this is, is classifying things into one category or another. Mm -hmm. And I think that even the planets fall into that, where you said there's the debate. The debate is whether Pluto is big enough and whether it's cleared its own space enough to be a planet. Or is it a dwarf planet? And it's just classification. Are you a planet or an asteroid? Are you an asteroid or a comet? And like knowing mm. how to do these things. And mm -hmm. so I definitely have a series in my head. But um, as we were discussing offline, the um, the book process takes a while. So I don't know mm. where definitely. I'm at in that process of any second and third. <laughs> Boy, I can hear that. Well, we, we are definitely looking forward to staying in touch as more Absolutely. books and resources become available. But for now, we are getting close to the end of our time. So I want to make sure listeners have a way of connecting with you and you know, following getting you on Instagram, book. getting your book, all of that. So where, where do they find you? Well, I have my website, which is letslearnaboutscience.com. Um, and I post daily with activities for children on Instagram. It's at let's learn about science. And I think that's the best place to catch me, especially if you want to talk to me one on one, just send me a message and I'll, I'll give you some ideas. And I hope you enjoy the content that's there because my son and I really have fun putting it up for everybody. Oh, cool. Wow. Well, we'll make that Fantastic. link available, too, for everyone. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Stephanie. This has been a lot of fun. Absolutely. It has. Thank Thanks for you, having Stephanie. me. <laughs> thank you. Really appreciate it. Now it's time for our wow moment with Lorianne when she offers words of wisdom, sharing her intuitive and spiritual mentorship with us by responding to listener comments and questions. You know, it's always interesting to me to notice patterns. And the last few weeks, while I have been doing readings and mentoring with a number of women, a pattern has been showing up. And that is a very simple, I want to say rule of thumb to follow. Find the joy. Do what makes you happy. And share that with the world. As you share your joy is going to attract more to you. It's going to attract the right people. It's going to attract people who support what you're doing. And it's going to bring more joy into your life. And it's interesting to me that Stephanie shared so much with us what brings her joy, whether it's doing science with her son, sharing that on Instagram, or writing her children's book and the process she went through to test it and share it and get feedback and to include so many real world things in it. That's just a joyful project. So I'm curious, where in your life is your joy? 
Is it simply doing small things like having fresh flowers around more often? Would maybe changing the color of a room bring you joy? Would going for walks more often? What are the simple little things you can do right now that just put a smile on your face? And as you do more of those, there will be other things that come to mind. Where in your life do you really want to, but you're not giving yourself permission yet? You know, I know one of the things for me I want to get into is more arts and crafts, pottery, photography. Right now my life isn't set up for it, but I am certainly going out and doing as much photography with my digital phone as I possibly can. And I have little craft projects I do around the house occasionally. And it's fun. It's just a big smile. So where in your life can you give yourself permission to feel a little bit more joy and share that with others? Follow the joy, my friends, and keep rising. Thank you, Lorianne, for sharing your wow with us. If you have a question, comment, or concern you'd like to hear addressed on a future wow moment, or you'd like to learn more about Lorianne's mentorship program, visit our website at lorianrising.com. That's L-O-R-I-A-N-N-E-R-I-S-I-N-G.com. Thank you. And to our listeners, remember that Mark and I are on a mission to help make the world a better place and to uplift voices that are not typically heard. So if you or someone you know is an author, a musician, innovator, or even a comedian whose perspective and message challenges old paradigms to open hearts and minds, please reach out. We want to support you by helping you be seen and heard by a worldwide audience. Just visit us at riseandshineasone.com to apply to be a guest. And before you go, please take a moment to rate and review the show on your favorite platform. And remember, until next time, wherever you are, there's always time for remembering to rise and shine. Take care. Thank you for listening to Rise and Shine. Please join Lorianne Rising and Uncle Mark Olmstead for another great show next Tuesday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time and 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until then, keep rising and shining. Sound of the joy, sound of the joy.